Come join the zone in ARUP Monday, December 23rd from 10 to 3 at ARUP Blood Services, 9786 South, 500 West. Come save a life and donate some blood. It only takes 30 minutes and you'll receive a Megaplex gift card, popcorn voucher, and jazz gear. All right, it's time to talk college football recruiting day. Riley Jensen from Mountain West Elite Camps, our college football insider, joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get a Samsung S10 for $0 when you activate a new line of service with a flex lease now through December 26th. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Riley, good morning. Good morning, guys. What's happening? It's signing day. Guys are signing. Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, it's it's the best day and the worst day for a lot of guys right now. <laughs> sign, sign everywhere, sign. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> yes. Oh no! <laughs> PK singing early in the morning. Let's get after it. Well, let's it's signing day. It. Well, let's get right after it here. Mountain West Elite. You see a lot of the local guys come through. Who are the local guys that you really believe are going to be making plays in a few years, depending on whether they're mission kids or not, but in a few years, and even if we're not talking about them now, you know now that said player is going to be big time down the road. And where is said player going to college? Well, obviously, I mean, the easy low-hanging fruit on that one is um, Noah Sewell out of Orem. Uh I think he's six. I think he's listed at six one. He might be six foot. Weighs two hundred seventy pounds. Plays defense. Plays offense. Was the state MVP. And I think you're going to see him playing sooner than later. Obviously, he's an extreme talent. Um, the 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 only setback that I could see happening to Noah at all would be injuries, right? And he was injured for about half the season this year. Um, I just think that with with how strong he is and how big he is, it's just a, a huge amount of torque that takes place on his body when he's running and when he's doing things. I mean, 270 pounds, the guy can run, the guy can, I mean, he can play running back and score touchdowns on you, he can tackle you and run you down from sideline to sideline. That's obviously going to be, you know, his. the only thing that's going to slow him down is, is whether he can stay healthy, and he's going to Oregon. He's going to Oregon. Um, well, I hope as far yeah. as sooner or later we see him playing in the New Mexico Bowl then. <laughs> in the New Mexico Bowl? If he's going to Oregon. <laughs> he's, um, he's he's a big-time talent. And I think he's fun to watch. There's a whole bunch of other guys that I'm really interested in in the state of Utah. There's Scotty Edwards out of Olympus. Who, uh, my guess is he'll sign at Stanford today. He has a BYU and a Stanford offer. I mean, he's right out of the ilk and out of the kind of – he reminds me a lot of Morgan Scout. He reminds me of Steve Tate. He's that type of local player that can be um, a really big-time leader at the next level and can be a big-time player. I think I think you'll see him making plays. Um, I believe he's a mission kid, so he, his, his contribution might be a little bit played, but he's a, he's a great football player. Um, I'm interested to see what happens with – um, Van Frillinger today. Obviously, he's a huge talent. Decommitted from Texas. Defensive lineman that just looks the part, acts the part. Um, and, and he's from Corner Canyon. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with Cole Hagen. I, I mean, I'm, I'm really surprised with 
with the success that Zach Wilson is having, with the success that some of the quarterbacks out of the state of Utah are having just recently, I'm really surprised that you can go 28-0 and as a starter in the state of Utah at Corner Canyon High School and you're not having major Division One offers. I mean, he, his dad played professional baseball for the Pirates. Then when he got done playing professional baseball for the Pirates, went back and played for Ron McBride. He's from a football family tree. Um, he can run like a 4-6-40. He can throw the ball to the state MVP. I'm really interested to see what happens with him because I think, I think he's a big-time quarterback. And if nothing else, in a game where you're looking to win – and you're trying to have a winner at the position of quarterback, uh, I'm, I'm just interested as to why we don't see a quarterback that goes 28-0 and in the state of Utah. Because he didn't go 30-0. and It's obvious. Right, right, right. The, <laughs> the, the moving carrot. The moving carrot. Keep moving that carrot for us, PK. So, so is, it, is he things. being hurt by the perception there's too much talent around him? Is there one flaw somewhere that is turning off all the schools because – or, or he he will walk on somewhere and be successful, and this is just recruiting's not perfect. He'll be successful now. Look, he I, I don't mean to take away from like I mean he has offers to Dixie, he has offers to Weber State. I'm just surprised that there's not that there's not bigger offers. He's going to be a great player. He's going to be just fine. I actually think what's hurting him right now, and and I think this is such a bogus argument, and it has been for years, is. I think people are throwing system quarterback at him because Coach Care, who was at Jordan High School and has produced all kinds of quarterbacks at Jordan High School, and then, you know, to be honest with you, with Zach Wilson, he was only there for Zach Wilson's senior year. He kind of changed the fortune of that kid around. And now you have um, now you have Cole Hagan. They, they also have Crew Wakeley, who's on a mission right now, who's signed to Utah State who's a phenomenal athlete and quarterback. And I think some of these guys are going, yeah, well, it's just the system. That's the only thing I can think of. He's six two and a half. He runs fast. He can throw the ball. I'm just surprised. Homecoming and, and, king, no less. Say that again? Homecoming king. Homecoming king, right, 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 right. Yeah, because that's very important as to whether well, we can you know, win a football yeah, game. See, actually, I wanted to bring that up with you. <laughs> Because bring it up. All right, I think there's a serious point to be made. Is that 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 stuff is voted on by the high school kids? So he's obviously popular among his peers, right? And so my thought for you, and I've seen this, and I was talking about this earlier with uh, DJ, and how when I was on the beat in basketball, I would have GMs literally call me, scouts would talk to me, and they'd want to know about the character of the kid. I mean, they don't need me to evaluate basketball. That's what they can do. But they wanted to know, what have you heard about the kid? Because you end up, when you're covering a basketball team, especially a basketball team, because there's only a few, you know, so few guys, and you're traveling with them, and you're doing it for multiple years, you get to know about the kid, and you hear a whole bunch of stuff. And so I'm wondering, from your perspective, since you're involved at the high school level, at the basically the grassroots level, how many of these kids understand that what they're doing in the classroom, in the community, with the interactions with their 
teachers and their peers that coaches want to know all about that. Now, I happen to know a little about a little bit about this Hagen kid, and I can tell you that this kid's a top of the line kid. I know a little bit about Josh Wilson, and I can tell you he's a top of the line kid. And I can tell you that somebody I know very, very well, BYU coaches asked this person about Josh Wilson, and this person gave Josh Wilson a glowing recommendation to the point they said, well, that's it. We're offering him a scholarship. And DJ was standing right next to me when we had the conversation with a BYU coach. So how much how much of these kids actually get all this other stuff that is beyond the film? Well, I'd, here's where I'll make a little bit of an argument against it and for it. Um, I think that these things are important. I personally... No, I know Cole very well. I've had the I have had the chance to interact with him at Mountain West Elite, and I'm not trying to say anything about Mountain West Elite. This kid would have gotten a scholarship whether he came to our camp or not. This is a phenomenal kid, a phenomenal athlete from a phenomenal family. But here's where I'll make a little bit of argument against whether these kids know or care about this stuff. You, you rewind two years ago to when Cameron Cooper is being recruited by every single team in the country. Literally, I mean, the kids get recruited by everybody. He's an Elite 11 quarterback. He's the first one to actually make the finals of Elite 11. Obviously, he signs at Washington State, and he's going to have an opportunity to take over the reins of Washington State next year. I was talking to the head coach, Ed Larson, at Lehigh. Do you know how many teams called and asked about his character or said to him, like, hey, what is it that we're not seeing on film that we need to be aware of? Three. Three teams. Three teams did their homework on his character. Three teams. And so, yes, yes, PK, I think there is an argument to be made for the character of these kids. But I also think that in this day and age, I think some of these coaches are a little bit lazy right now, and they don't always do their homework on that kind of stuff. And so while I think it is important, and while I do think that kids that do that are going to have a better opportunity to do things, I'm not sure that every kid thinks it's important because there's not very many coaches that are following up and asking on character, right? And so, yes, I think it's true. And, you know, look, I'm not going to try and get into anything into the weeds here, but when you look at Jordan Love and you look at... Oh, the weeds, I get it. I like it. What? Into the weeds. (laughs) That wasn't even meant... I didn't, I'm not even that smart to like go there, but thank you. Boom! Oh, you're a really genius. Good. Into the nice, weeds, nice. and then he mentions nice. Jordan Love. Nice, Riley. No, so and and this is really not like my opinion on whether you should smoke weed or whether you shouldn't smoke weed. But what I do know is is when you're the quarterback of a Division One football team, you know what's against the law. You know what's not against the law. You know what can cost you an NFL career or at least change your NFL career or you should know those things as the quarterback and I'm just confused sometimes when these guys don't understand that if you're going to play the position of quarterback at a division one school you're under the microscope and if you don't have good habits and if you don't understand what's going on around you then stupid things are going to happen and that's a stupid thing with me it's for me that is just a dumb thing that those that those those guys at Utah State did. That is just a stupid thing. You know the rules. You know it's against the law, and you decided to do it anyway because you you think that you're just a little bit smarter than everybody else. And so when you're in good habits like Cole Hagen, and when you're doing things that are that are consistently above you know the line of what you're supposed to be doing, you can count on that guy 
at the quarterback position. You can count on him to be successful um, and to be a good teammate. And so I, I, I get frustrated with some of the things. And to be honest with you, I scratch my head sometimes on what, what recruiting is and what it isn't. And I've been dealing with it for eight, nine years, right? Yeah. I've been talking to coaches. And, I, you know, I've, I've mentioned it before with, with Julian Blackman. I had, a, I had a team in state tell me that he, wasn't, that he wasn't fast enough to play for them and that he, that he wasn't good enough to play for them. I, I guarantee you that coach would want him now. Right, and and it's just interesting to me what these guys are looking at and how they're how they're making their assessments. It, it's really frustrating to me. So, Riley, looking at the local teams, who is really going to help themselves? And I think you probably know the local recruits more than uh, the out of state guys. But if you do have some inside info on some of these out of state guys, who's going to come in and make a splash? Which local teams are really helping themselves, and if so, at what positions? Well, I, to me, this sneaks up on me a little bit faster than it used to, obviously, because it's an early signing date. And then you're looking at guys like, okay, is this guy going to sign today? Is he not going to sign today? And then a lot of these guys are tweeting out right now, and and they're saying, look, I'm signing tomorrow, which means they're trying to get it over with. They're trying to get it all signed, sealed, and delivered. What What is interesting to me is – if if Utah gets Van Fillinger, I think that I think that cleans things up nicely, especially for the in-state here. Um, but I, the two teams that I that I always find more interesting right now at this time of year are BYU and Utah with the local in-state recruits and who do they land and how do they figure out? I think you know just the guy that I brought up earlier with Scotty Edwards. If he decides to go to BYU, I think that's a big get for BYU. Now his dad's a Harvard grad. Um, I, I could see Stanford coming in and maybe stealing that one, right? But that'd be a big gift for BYU if they got somebody like him. Van Fillinger, if they're able to flip him and actually get him to go to the University of Utah, I think that's a, I think that's a great win for the University of Utah. And then Utah State has really got to start winning some of these in-state battles with BYU. They need to be able to stand head-to-head. They need to be able to tell a story and figure out how they're going to attack the state of Utah and get the players that they want because Utah State has a lot of good players and they have a lot of good in-state players. I still don't get the <clears throat> I still don't get the feeling that BYU is losing very many battles to Utah State. How much do you believe in the star system? Uh, I'm conflicted on it. I think. I think it's pretty easy on some guys to just, you know, figure out the stars. Um, I've heard you guys talk about it before where when Norm Chow was at UCLA or USC, he literally could call somebody and say, hey, we're, we're really interested in this guy. You need to get him up to a three-star or a four-star. And some of these guys would do it. Um, so, so I'm really conflicted on it because I think it's really easy to tell. I don't think it's hard – for me or any other coach in the state of Utah to walk around and go, okay, that guy's a D1 guy. I don't, I don't think that's very hard. I think the guy, and I think the job that's really, really difficult is Weaver State, Southern Utah, Dixie, Snow College, trying to say, okay, how does this guy project into our system, into playing college football? So the stars, you know, whether you're a two-star and you're being recruited by the University of Utah or a five-star being recruited by the University of Utah, you're a dang good football player. And you stick out on film. 
and you're clearly a Division One football player when I'm watching the film. So, to me, five star, four star, three star, all those things are nice. But like, where are you getting offered to? And if you get a chance to go somewhere, that's a great opportunity for you. And really, the guys who end up being really good at the University of Utah and BYU and Utah State are the guys who never think that they've arrived. The guys that have a chip on their shoulder and continue to work hard. I don't think. I think a three-star, four-star, five-star is like your foot in the door. But anybody that's played college football will tell you, nobody cares about stars when you get to the schools. You better to perform, and you better be able to beat me and play better than I do because I don't really care about your stars. You, know? you, can, you can hang your stars around your neck if you want, but I, I don't really care about them. And so it's work ethic. It's kind of the things that you're talking about where they're good teammates, where they can win the locker room with the, the kind of positivity and the kind of, yeah, I don't know, the kind of attitude that's like a Division One attitude. And so I put a little bit of stock into the stars because I'm like, okay, yeah, this guy's probably a good football player. Let me look at his film real quick. And then I can see within five, ten plays, like, oh, yeah, this guy jumps off the film. I think the hardest job is Weaver, Southern Utah, Dixie. Like, okay, this guy's good, but does that speed translate to our level, right? He looks pretty fast for a high school player, but, man, he has a long stride, and that's a little bit deceiving to me. Is he really a 4-5 guy, or is he a 4-7 guy that was just playing against bad competition? And I think that's where a lot of heavy lifting and work is done, is trying to figure out where some of these guys fit in the whole picture of maybe not Division One football, but uh, the FCS level. As always, we appreciate it, Riley. Thanks for talking for a few minutes and uh, going over some of the recruiting. Thanks, guys. Love, love talking to you guys. You guys are you guys are awesome at what you do. Thanks for having me on. Riley Jensen, our college football insider with the Mountain West Elite Camps. Also here today is Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical. 801-901-8000 is the number to call. And you've got a uh, new treatment for ED. We do. It's called acoustic wave therapy. Um, a lot of guys hearing about this now and taking advantage of it. It uses an FDA-cleared device that opens up the blood vessels. It's kind of interesting to note that this has been used on other parts of the body for a long time and developed for ED recently. Um, plantar fasciitis, which is kind of the bottom of the foot. A lot of guys using it for that. Um, breaking up kidney stones. It's been used for that so it's got a long history of success and increasing blood flow somebody along the lines realized that you know guys needed more blood flow in this part of the body so it's been developed for that and it's been great um if you're out there and you're struggling with erectile dysfunction maybe you're sick of the pills maybe you're sick of the side effects you don't know where to turn this can be a game changer we've seen a very high success rate in restoring normal function in the bedroom so how many treatments does it take? How long are the sessions? How does that all work? Uh, typical sessions, about 10 minutes. It's totally non-invasive. Um, the average guy, this can change a little bit, but the average guy would come in a few times over maybe two to three weeks. Uh, that's it. You'd notice improvements as you go after you're finished. Um, and then you don't really have to return unless you had a major health change. That can be it for many years. So... Um, not having to take the pill every time. It's not something you have to repeat. And the doctor you meet with in the initial uh, consultation checks for all kinds of medical stuff? He's going to check everything. Yeah, that's um, an analysis of you, why you have ED, medications that may be 
causing the ED or health history. Um, we'll do a blood flow ultrasound to check for any blockages. Uh, call us now. We do that whole process for free, by the way. It's totally confidential. Um, normally, there's a charge for it, but we know guys are hesitant and sometimes embarrassed. Come in, get the information. There's no obligation to go forward, and there's absolutely no cost if you call us. 801-901-8000 is the phone number to call. Wasatch Medical Clinic, 801-901-8000. Andrew, thanks a lot. Thank you, guys. Big Show, Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Are you ready? You guys ready? Morgan Scally at practice over the weekend was asked by our very own Patrick Kinahan. Has there been any discussion as far as taking over when Kyle retires? Uh, I'm not going to discuss that. The fact that he's not going to discuss that tells you that he has discussed it behind closed doors. I get that feeling, don't you? Yes, some sort of a provision was made. I think they would benefit from continuing what they're doing. I agree with that 100%. Morgan is smart, cares deeply about the players. He's got every attribute that he would want, other than he's never done the head coaching thing before. Neither had Kyle. I think he's the right man for the job. Turn this up. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Call Action Plumbing and get your preseason furnace tune-up and safety check for $33 by calling Action Plumbing at 801-833-3333 or going to actionplumbing.net. Utah Jazz picking up the win, and that leads to the question of the morning. Jazz have won three in a row and four out of five. Are they finding their groove? Are you buying it? I'm buying it. Mr. Positive. What happened to that newspaper cynicism? You getting soft in your old age? Oh, I totally. I've always admitted that. There's no question. Well, the schedule's gotten softer here. That's pretty that's not a real uh hardcore uh cynical tough guy take. I mean, it's you can just look at the standings and see. I don't have cynical teams tough guy takes anymore. You have a few. You don't have as many. I'll give you that. Because I want them to win. I Scott, want them all to win. It's better for business. Yeah, I hear you. Scott, beat a good team first, and then we'll go from there. I think well, there's very few bad teams in the league, actually. Well, certainly, so Orlando's not a great team by any so stretch. There's, I'm not there's, claiming that. There's good and there's mediocre? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then a handful of bad teams. I mean, the Warriors are a bad team right now. Right now, the and Knicks, the Knicks. Yeah. The Knicks are a bad team right now. But you're not going to have more than, I don't know, four or five bad teams? Cleveland's a bad team? Yeah. They're playing Atlanta tomorrow night on the road, and Atlanta's, Atlanta's a, a bad team record-wise, but Trey Young is a really a fun player to watch. Right. But still, when you talk about team, you're 6-22, and 22, you're getting outscored by 10 points a game, you're bad. Yeah, and, and don't they have their uh, one dude, is it Collins? Yeah, He's, uh, John Collins. He's probably like in the middle of his suspension. DeAndre Ayton just came back, just got back last night, and then the Booker didn't play for the Suns, so they get one star back and they lose another, and then they lost to the Clippers, obviously. But he's back from that 25-gamer. Uh, so uh, I'm not saying Atlanta is a great team by any stretch. I'm just saying Trey Young is a nice young player. But to your point, Orlando is mediocre. They came in a couple games under 500 now. Right, they're not horrible. They're three under. no. They're, because if they were horrible, then the Jazz were horrible at this time last year. And, and they, they ended right up turning around. Yeah. And so. I, and we didn't think they were horrible. Uh, I, I love the fact that Joe's in the starting lineup. I mean, look at the way he played. I mean, so, you, it's the numbers, man. Sometimes numbers don't really lie. Sometimes they don't tell the whole story. But look, look, at, look at the way he played. So is he better because of 
the fact he started. I, I literally think there are some guys who need to warm up and then they need to start playing. I don't think that's it. I th- I'm with you. I think it's the players he's on the floor with. You know, like he had a bunch of assists last night. Well, you make a good. You read the defense. You make a good pass. The guy's got to hit the shot. Yes. And if you're playing with guys who can't hit the shot, you're not getting the assists. And then maybe you start forcing stuff because the team isn't scoring. That's precisely it. Yes. So I'm, I'm warmed to all he, of the things you're saying. He needs to have some better players around no him. Question. But that just goes to the Jazz need to have a deeper or in the longer bench. Yeah, but okay. But put, oh, fine. I'll because agree I, with you on that. But putting Joe on the bench doesn't make that bench longer. It actually right. makes him worse and makes the starting group worse. So... Uh, you sometimes you solve one problem and it creates another problem. But the problem that you're solving, you're solving it bigger, and it's helping you more. And O'Neal was fine off the bench. O'Neal, the way I look at it, and this is just me, so take it for what it's worth, is you've got Ingles who needs to be around good players. He can make good players better, and himself is better. With average players or below average players, he isn't better, nor are those other players better. Then I got O'Neal, who's coming on. He's not even in his prime yet. He needs opportunities to be able to develop his game. He can't get that with Bogdanovich and Mitchell, because you need to make sure they're fed. So you got O'Neal with the second team. Well, yeah, fire away, big guy. Do take the best guy out there defensively. Do all that you can do. You're an emerging player. So it's a win-win situation. There was a play. I'm watching a ball game against Orlando, and Ingles gets the ball, and they passed it around, and Ingles has a shot over on the side behind the line over by where Gail Miller sits. And he's got the wide open shot. Mitchell's in a corner, and he starts to line up. Boom. He dishes it off to his right, and I'm thinking, Joe... Mitchell better make that shot. I'm going to be ex- pissed at you. I know exactly because you you're had and about. you were hot. Yeah, and you gave up the shot. You were clearly wide open. He passes it to Mitchell. Mitchell makes the shot. He waited for the defender to run at yeah. him. Then he pump faked to get him in the air to get him completely committed. And then he threw it to. It was actually a great play. It started with Mitchell driving and everybody. Yeah, yeah, touched they, the they ball. Did. everybody the ball whipped the around ball. the right. perimeter. Yeah, and yeah. so guys were getting open. But Joe definitely passed on a shot there. And it bugged me. I know. And as he's throwing the ball, I'm thinking to myself, he better make that shot, Joe, or I'm going to call you on it yeah. this week on the phone. But and he, Mitchell made did. the shot. Yep. And Mitchell had more time. In fact, I didn't even think he looked down and made sure his feet. He had a couple of those. He had one yeah. later in the game and he missed it. That was also where he was the only guy this on that one side went of the floor. In. This one did go in. Yeah. The one later was so the one he So he's clearly missed. on the yeah. corner, yeah. and it went in, and fine. So that's what Joe can do. If he's passing that to Moutier, that's not probably happening. That's not Moutier's game. Or Jeff Green, you never know. Jeff Green seems to be all or nothing. Uh, he's either really good he or he's he can't for buy four a four for four. Yeah, he can't yeah. buy a shot. Uh, so putting Joe there, that is giving me – some hope that I didn't have because he's playing to the level that he helps himself and helps his teammates. And don't you want guys who's going to make Donovan Mitchell Bogdanovich better? Royce O'Neal or Joe Ingles? Well, it's clear. And then I, and let's see what O'Neal can do with more opportunities because right. he deserves more opportunities. Well, when you got two guys scoring 30 points in bogey and uh, the Mitch man. It's not happening. It's a subtle thing, but I think it's important that when Joe was running with the bench unit, there were three bench guys, and then Joe would officially be the fourth, even though I think he's starter quality and finishing quality guy. He'd be out there, and then often he was out there with one other starter, Donovan Mitchell or whoever. 
the rotation's different now. They're playing three of their top six, and they're they're bringing in two guys, not three. So we'll see if juggling a little bit makes a difference in the long run, or if that's just something that's paying off now while they're playing teams that are you know five hundred or a little worse. With Ingles in the lineup for opponents, he makes life a Mitch. So you just got a whole Donovan Mitchell word pun going there? Is that what you're going for? He makes life a Mitch on opponents. Matt said, you know, maybe it is the magic, but the Jazz look more comfortable tonight. I agree. Craig go, Matt. Much improved. They need to maintain those leads, but I'll take this as a step in the right direction because they were up 18 and then they were down 7. You can't get caught up in that. That's what I'm saying. The Magic are not a crap team, and so they're going to have runs. Yes. What do you do with their run? Well, you And you got down 5. They don't have had a run. I think it was 7. I think it was 97-90. Well, what, but, that, but it had to have been down 5. My statement was accurate. <laughs> I didn't say they were down at most by 5. I said they got down by 5. Good save. <laughs> so with that in mind, then they responded. We used to keep in, when I worked at Daily Breeze, we kept a story in the archive. We used to have these stringer dudes who'd uh-huh. write preps for us. And it was like uh, Santa Monica and Venice were two rivals in high school. And uh, he he led uh, the, his lead, the first paragraph, like Ollie Frazier, like the Yankees and the Red Sox. I mean, just totally overblown some random high school game. And then later on in the story, and we used to read it for chuckles, and he put that uh, Santa Monica maintained an eight-point lead except for the time that Venice led by 15. (laughs) (laughs) So it didn't make any sense. And they saved it in a file in the computer. They were always up by eight, (laughs) except when they were down by 15. That three touchdown swing. I mean, so, that was kind of a momentum change. And so we used to That's read that hilarious. thing. Yeah. I mean, the analogy to the rivalries is a little overblown, but I get why they'd write that. <laughs> That's just brutal. That's way worse than the rivalry thing. Yeah. The greatest rivalries in sports is some Venice and Samuel High. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We have a Win Tickets Wednesday coming up. It's your chance to win. It's going to be a little after 9 o'clock, if you must know. And I'm pretty sure you must know. And Yach, what Ooh. are the people playing for today? Jazz tickets. All right. Jazz tickets. Is it for Portland, Jazz Portland on the 26th, <laughs> day after Christmas? Portland on the 26th. Oh, sweet. The week fam is tomorrow. in town. See? Got a couple of tickets to that, and it'll be tickets all day long. We're going to give away our tickets in about uh, 20 minutes or so, right after 9 o'clock. Be here. It's a win tickets Wednesday on 97.5. We've got updated 24-7 sports composite football rankings. It's just updated two minutes ago. Sweet. And we got Brian Brown coming on from the Ute Zone to tell us how the Utes are doing this morning. Stay with us. It's a Win Ticket Wednesday on the Zone Sports Network. It's a Win Ticket Wednesday right here. Win. Listen all day for the Win Ticket Wednesday sounder for your chance to win tickets. What? Who authorized that? To all the biggest concerts, games, and other great events here in the state of Utah. It's a Win Ticket Wednesday right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Come join the Zone in ARUP Monday, December 23rd from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at ARUP Blood Services on 9786 South, 500 West. Come save a life and donate some blood. It only takes 30 minutes, and you'll receive a Megaplex gift card, popcorn voucher, and jazz gear. 
Time to welcome in Brian Brown from U-Zone. Talk about the Utah recruiting class. Brian, good morning. Good morning and happy uh, Fax Machine Appreciation Day to you two gentlemen. <laughs> Don't they scan them and email them yet? Are we still doing faxes? Yeah, we finally modernized the process so uh, kids can all sign those letters digitally if they want to. But Somebody's got to sell, fix, and repair fax machines. So, you know, way to sustain part of the economy and a few jobs. We've got to keep the dream alive somehow, DJ. You know, you and I are old enough to remember things like VCRs and records and, and all that kind of stuff. I don't so. know what you're talking about. No idea. No clue. All right, so what does this uh, Ute class shaping up as? Uh, I'm on their website now. Officially, they've got seven guys in. Jake Bentley, the transfer quarterback from South Carolina, uh, in. Uh, Who's exciting you the most, and who are you waiting on? So the the very first kid to commit to this class and also the very first high school player to submit a letter was Money Parks. Um, and he's a kid that I am really incredibly excited about. Utah got in on him very early. Um, he's from Alito, Texas, and he's just a very talented, fast, speedy wide receiver. And like I said, Utah got in early on his recruitment, got him committed, and he stayed true throughout the whole process. Um, and I'm also excited for the opportunity for PK to sing about money for many seasons to come. So. <laughs> Twofold with that one. Good. Um, the one, I think the biggest one that we're waiting to hear back on right now is Clark Phillips. Uh, he's a defensive back out of California. He is a four-star prospect. He's the fourth-rated uh, cornerback in the country for the 24-7 uh, composite ranking. Um, and he is currently an Ohio State commitment, but he is one that Utah is working to flip. Uh, the staff was, you know, quick to build a relationship with him early on. They stayed consistent throughout the process with him. When his position coach left from Ohio State to go to Boston College, uh, they attacked, you know, tried to get him out here on a visit. He came last weekend with his family. All reports are that he loved it and and really enjoyed it. And so he will sign tomorrow. Um, So that's kind of the one that everybody's waiting to see what happens with it. If, If he does commit... Uh, or sign his letter of intent, intent, I should say, that'll be the highest-ranked player in Utah recruiting history per 24-7. So this flipping thing, it's the phrase this time of year now with this new signing period, and I'm intrigued about how that works because I'm looking on Twitter here and I see my Sun Devils, they got some kid named Wilson, a receiver out of California, who in the summer apparently had committed to Oregon, but now he's flipped and he's signed and he's a four-star prospect, so move over Nikhil Harry, whether that happens or not, I don't know. But when you say they flip and they're working hard, what goes on in that process once a kid commits and then as we get closer to the signing period, that schools need to do or can do to get a kid to flip, as you say? I think the biggest thing is to continue to show the kid love, uh, and that's one thing that Utah has been very consistent with. You know, uh, Van Fillinger, which uh, Riley Jensen talked about earlier with you guys, is a guy who was committed to Texas. And Utah, you know, when he when he shared that information with Utah, they were very positive about it, said, hey, you know, congratulations on your choice. We're happy for you. We'll keep in touch, you know, and, and as things started to sour with him with Texas, Utah was there still being consistent with their communication, still being positive, you know, still being uh, supportive of him 
as, as a player more, more than anything. And that's what's going to keep Utah in the door with a lot of these kids in terms of flipping. Um, with, you know, a program like Arizona State, I think it's Herm. I, I think that's the biggest thing that they have is they can send Herm in there and he's charismatic and charming. Uh, you know, we saw it last year with Jaden Daniels and, and look at what a good talent he is. They, Jaden was supposedly a silent commitment. I don't believe in silent commitments. I, I think if you're committed, you're committed. Um, but he was supposedly si- silently committed to Utah last year. Arizona State brought him in for a trip, you know, wooed him over. You know, and, and it was clear that the big kind of tipping point for him was the relationship with Herm. And so I think the, the overall summation of that answer is, is continuing to build those relationships because college football is such a fluid enterprise these days. And we're seeing, you know, coaches are moving all over the place. And sometimes these guys are moving on after a year. And so if a recruit doesn't feel the same kind of commitment from you know, either the school or the coaching staff there that they did when the coach was present, then you want to be the program that has that relationship to where when they start to look around and explore and think about things, they want to talk to you. And Utah is incredibly good at doing that and maintaining those relationships. And, and we're, we're seeing it pay dividends. You know, uh, I do expect Van Fillinger to sign with Utah. Things, things can change, you know, throughout the day, sometimes on a minute-by-minute basis. Um, but he'll be a huge commitment for this class. And, you know, PK mentioned that the class is already, already moving up. It's, it's 82 right now. It's moved up two spots since this morning. Um, I have expectations for if everything goes like we think it will, this class could, could dip into the, you know, mid-30s. And if they did land Phillips, it could even get into the, the high 20s, which is massive for the University of Utah. So we know that the Utes are saying goodbye to a lot of players off a really good defense. How much are the replacements already in the program? How much are they counting on some instant help from a recruiting class or this recruiting class? I think that's the pitch with Clark Phillips is that he can step in and and take over the Jalen Johnson role right away as as a lockdown corner. Um, With some of the other guys, it's going to be a little harder. I, I think Ben Renfro. Who, who's already signed his letter of intent out of Texas. Uh, he's a safety prospect. I, he's a little raw because he's never played safety, but you know I'm never going to question when Morgan Scally sees safety potential in the guy. And so he'll have an opportunity. Uh, Kamoi Latu out of St. Louis High School in Hawaii. He's another guy that's a safety prospect that, you know, he's just, you watch most of these kids on film, they all have the same traits. They're all, you know, physical hitters, uh, you know, fly to the football, play with great effort, play with great intensity, play smart, disciplined football. Yeah, so they just kind of echo what Utah has always had. So I think those are two guys that have an opportunity. I think Nate Ritchie, who's a safety at a lone peak, um, is another guy that could see playing time immediately. It's, it's mostly on the defensive side of the football right now. Um, there are two running backs that Utah has gone after in this class, Ty Jordan and uh, John Gentry who are kind of smaller, more speedy backs. They have a little bit more wiggle to them. Um, they're currently committed. Neither of those are, are signed yet. Um, we do expect them to sign today, though. And, and those two players could also have an impact, possibly, you know, in terms of their speedy playmaking ability on offense. You know, Utah has to replace Derek Vickers and uh, obviously Zach Moss, you know, and there's a stable running backs there, but you're going to want some change of pace guys uh, to, to help out. And so those are two other guys who could do it. But I think the biggest ones are on defense. Um, you know, like I said, Clark Phillips, Nate Ritchie, 
local kid. He's phenomenal. I love his, you know, everything about him. He's a, he's a Swiss Army knife out there. He, he's played safety. He's played wide receiver. He's played wildcat qu- quarterback. He's played, you know, he kicks, he punts. He's, he's just phenomenal. He's the kind of kid that you could see stepping in and having a role almost from day one. On average, what is Utah's recruiting class usually ranked? They're usually in about the 40s, 40s to 50s. So I think you're seeing the results of the past two years making it to the Pac, you know, Pac-12 championship and, and winning the South Division here. Uh, the bigger news, in my opinion, right now is that Utah is already able to start working on their 2021 class uh, because they have so many guys committed to this early signing day. So rather than having to sift through the leftovers and try and, and, and fill a class that way like they've had to do in years past, they were able to get guys committed, get guys through the process this year, and, and, and get guys on board early. And that's allowed them to start working on 2021. And so now you expect the classes to continually grow. And, and you know, as much as, as, as we love to kind of not criticize star rankings, but, you know, just dismiss them. Uh, there is a lot of precedence for having four and five star athletes in a program and your program success. I think you saw that in the championship game with Utah and Oregon is Oregon's got four and five star athletes, you know, all across the, the field and, and Utah just does not have those yet. And so as you continue to, to really push your class upwards, I think that that causes more reverberations as you continue down the road. Well, Brian, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us and uh, talking a little bit about the Utes and their signings. Yeah, it's nice to be useful for something other than protecting the studio from hands on the weekend. So, appreciate it, guys. <laughs> Brian Brown, join us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. All right, we'll keep you updated on the Ute as the uh, signees come in. Fillinger, we're going to get the word at 1230. He's got the hat ceremony at the school. That's what I was You've told. You've been yeah. sworn to secrecy. Yes. Mind your own business. <laughs> well, let him have his moment. All right. I mean, we let Andrew have his moment from Wasatch Medical, so let's let the high school kid have his moment. <laughs> it is Andrew's moment. Once again, he joins us from Wasatch Medical, and you can uh, give them a call. He's here with a, uh, a treatment he's talked a little bit about before. Yeah. How, what to do if you have ED. Well, there's several things you can do. Yeah. There are the pills, yep. and there's testosterone, and there's your treatment, and there's another one I don't even like to discuss. Yeah, right. I don't know. <laughs> there are a lot of them. Um, I'm, not talk- yeah, I'm not talking about the needles. Uh, yes. I'm out. Yes. The, the needles are bad enough. The surgery is even worse. Um, uh, a lot of guys, I think, don't know where to turn. They usually turn to pills. Sometimes they order the pills from overseas. I see that a lot. Who knows what's in that? Sometimes they order the supplements and try that. Generally speaking, not all the time, but generally speaking, guys come to us after they failed or they're frustrated with the other things. It doesn't work well. They don't like the way it makes their body feel. Um, I think that our treatment, the acoustic wave therapy, is the only thing that restores totally natural, normal function. If you're 40 years old and listening, maybe that was... When you were 30 years old, if you're 16, you're listening, maybe that was mid 40s, whatever it is that was normal. We see that a lot. It kind of takes you back to your younger years. 
The number to call is 801-901-8000. That's the number for Wasatch Medical Clinic, 801-901-8000. The initial conference, uh, consultation, check your medical history, see what other issues you have going on. A lot of times it is linked to other medical problems. Yeah. A lot of times it is linked to, uh, to other things. And you can come in and maybe pinpoint it without having to do the treatments. Our doctor's pretty good at that. Uh, but call us now. We'll do the initial assessment exam, blood flow ultrasound. It's an analysis of you by uh, a doctor that's probably seen more ED than anybody in the state. Um, totally free, normally 300 bucks. Get in and see if it's a good fit. You can say, okay, I want to do the treatments or I'll come back in a year or tell me why I have it. That's totally fine with us. Um, it's a service we offer. So give us a call now. 801-901-8000. That's the number for Wasatch Medical. 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you.